Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch with Sean Styers and Jim Irizarry on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Well, how are we doing today? It's the Leprechaun Lunch, along with Jim Irizarry, Sean Styers. We're, of course, presented by First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping our local businesses grow and prosper. How are we doing, Jim? I'm okay. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm all right. All I right, mean, good. We're all here, right? We are all here. We are. We're all. We're yeah, all baby. For? Okay, we're all accounted for. We're all here. Yes, sir. So, yes, anyway. we are. It's uh, it's been a it's been a hell of a week. I'll it, just put it that way. Let's that, just start off with that. That that it has been. It uh, <laughs> like I you know who, who saw who saw this week starting the way that it did you know, on Monday and now ending the way that it did and everything in between and you know oh yeah you know life happens in there too so yeah it's like and you know geez. we we have. We still have conference championship games going on tomorrow, and the college football playoff selection will mm-hmm. be announced Sunday. It's right. like, this, this just got us over the last six days, baby. You know, there's still a lot of stuff to yeah. go here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's, just a, it's just amazing how much has been packed into not even a full week, just five days. That's four right. And a, four and a half to five days. That's <laughs> it's right. It's just been... It, it, I mean, it, it hasn't been exactly explosions or anything, but it's been an action-packed thrill ride. Grab that net and catch that beautiful butterfly, pal. Because exactly. we have, uh, you know, we've got some blossoming. We've got, <laughs> there's, there are things to go still. So here, I'm going to run through the timeline of the week, and then it culminated with a big announcement this morning, and we'll let you hear that here in just a second after I run through this whole timeline. So here's what the whirlwind of the week look like just to remind you you know because just in case you weren't paying attention i know that (laughs) that most people were but like it just i when i've when i've sat back and just tried to think of this it's like i have to like stop and think pretty close okay what happened monday what happened tuesday so monday news breaks that lsu is pursuing brian kelly to become its next head football coach and of course this is to put this in context this is only two days after Lincoln Riley, after Oklahoma's loss to arch rival Oklahoma State Saturday night, mm-hmm. 
said, no, I'm not going to become the head football coach at LSU. And then, of course, less than 24 hours later, he's the head football coach at USC. Right. <laughs> so He wasn't so lying. Than, lying. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so. He wasn't lying at all. Not lying at all. And so less than 24 hours after that, after Lincoln Riley becomes head coach, news comes out, LSU's pursuing Brian Kelly. News breaks later that night. It's happening. He's going to become the head football coach at LSU. So Kelly sends a group text to his team that night that there's going to, at like 10 o'clock that night, I think it was, that there's going to be a 7 a.m. meeting the next day. He's flying back in. Sorry that he had, you know, that they had to hear this stuff on social media and whatever. So he comes back, 7 a.m., pitch black at the Goog. Uh, Tuesday morning, Brian Kelly meets with his team for two to three minutes, you know, depending on what account, you know, you listen to or mm-hmm. whatever. It's a quick meeting anyway, right. 7 a.m. But uh, one of his players sitting in his chair in the, in the, uh, the auditorium in the Goog records the meeting. And, you know, Kelly says he's leaving. He loves the team, yada, yada. Blah, doesn't blah. say where he's going. Doesn't mention LSU by name. Yeah, there was, I mean, you might as well just yada, yada from start just, to finish, right? Like, despite the fact that everybody knows by this point. Yeah. <sighs> so then he walks out of the room as his players sit there in complete silence. And the auditorium at the Goog, it's kind of like um, – I'm trying to think. Some of the movie theaters, like I think the the ones on the south side, um, oh, uh, the you know, IMAX. are like the, the stadium seating, yeah. where like you know you walk in at ground level and then you go up the stairs mm-hmm. to your seat. Yeah, that's basically how the big auditorium that the team meets in at the Goog is laid out. So you walk in at the ground level, you go up the steps, and and for the head football coach, if you get to the top of those steps, his what's now his former office is up there. So he starts out at the ground level. That's where he's talking to his team. When he leaves, apparently, now this was not on the video, but this is according to accounts from people in the room. He goes up the steps, you know, so he's essentially walking up the steps past his team, his former team now, sitting there, takes the long way out, climbing the flight of stairs, never looking at his team as he leaves. And Apparently, he thought he was going to get some different kind of send-off than complete silence. <laughs> you know, like, he thought maybe he was going to get some hugs or something on a the way handshake. out. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's right. A laurel, a laurel and hearty handshake on his way to the door. <laughs> but that never happened. Right. <laughs> um, so then... So that, so that was Tuesday. Wednesday, LSU holds its press conference, announces Brian Kelly as head coach. He uses the word alignment like at least a dozen times. Uh, Vince and I counted six times in three and a half minutes. Six times in three and a half minutes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So I guess maybe it was a little <laughs> exaggerated, the dozen, but still. That's I mean, a lot. He, a lot of alignment. I mean, that was just in the uh, in the opening statement. All right, through okay. the question, through the questions. Oh yeah, alignment so might, came up so a lot were, more. Yeah. If yeah. Uh, if it had been a drinking game, uh, <laughs> we'd all be in the hospital for alcohol poisoning. So, yeah. If we had known what to look for, if we had known what the hot button word was going to be going <laughs> in. <laughs> Every time he says alignment, take a shot. <laughs> right. Um, so in the meantime. With the hashtag Freeman era circulating and buzz, uh, all the support for Marcus Freeman to be promoted to head coach from 
both recruits, current members of the team, and everything else. By Wednesday night, Tommy Reese turns down a reported $1.2 million a year offer from Kelly to join him on staff at LSU. And several other assistants turned down Brian Kelly as well. Now, Mm -hmm. I can't say – I'll just say that I heard – this is what I'll say because I I heard this second in. But I will say that I heard Brian Kelly did not take that news very well. (laughs) Oh. So I'll just leave it at that. Oh, no. Yeah, and several other assistants turned him down as well. And I saw a great picture on social media yesterday. It's Brian Kelly – standing in the middle of the football field and the captions, uh, you know, and he's by himself and the caption says, Brian Kelly and his staff at LSU. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw that too. (laughs) Yeah. So Tommy Reese turned down a lot of money uh, to go to LSU north of a million bucks, whatever the actual figure was. He announces to the team that he's staying in South Bend, which all but ensures that Marcus Freeman is going to be hired as head coach. Right. You know, when that happened, it's like, okay, you're not going to say the offensive coordinator is staying put unless you're hiring somebody internally. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, had to go through the motions over the last couple days. So that's Wednesday. And then Thursday, although nothing is official, reports that Freeman's going to be hired as Notre Dame's next head coach are in full swing. Slew of Irish assistants, including longtime defensive line coach, Mike Elston, the rock star of defensive line coaches in the country, as far as I'm (laughs) concerned. They're reportedly staying on staff with the Irish, which, again, basically tells us the Freeman era, not to be confused with Freeman era, is about to begin. (laughs) If you (laughs) did you see the hashtag, you know, there were because. When, the, when that hashtag originally started, like everything was in lower case and it was like free Monero. Free oh, free Monero. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Thursday. And then, of course, this morning, the university announces Marcus Freeman will indeed be Notre Dame's 30th head football coach. An official press conference is going to come Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock. We will have that here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But today, and it, this. Uh, Made its way, of course, to social media this morning. Matt Bayless, the strength coach, who is among the assistants, who said, nah, I'm not going down to the bayou. I'm staying here. I, the first I like one, it really. It snows. Yeah, he, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right about that. He was the first one. I, I guess I should have put that in the timeline. He you know, he was the first one to to give Brian Kelly the, the Heisman and say that he's staying here. Right. And uh, so Freeman's in front of the team, and here he is with an announcement for the team. Right. Have a listen. Extremely proud of you guys on your focus and your ability to lock in all week long this week, okay? It was awesome to see, awesome to be a part of. It shows who you are, your DNA, your mental toughness, your physical toughness, the way you compete, the way you care about each other, okay? That's what this team run is going to be about, competing, getting after it with mental and physical toughness, and being the best in the country in what we do. So we ready to do that? Yes, sir. All right, so what I'm going to do now, okay, because your brand new head football coach. So, uh, 
I can't tell. Are they amped? <laughs> so, so that was not just just to be clear. Even though he didn't say his name, that was not Brian Kelly walking back through that door. Right. <laughs> that was that was Marcus Freeman. That probably so Kelly, that probably would have been. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Kelly exits to crickets on Tuesday. And that is the introduction of Marcus Freeman uh, to the team officially <laughs> as Notre Dame's next head football coach. That was pretty cool mm. to hear. I think it pretty much says it all about the uh, the state of mind of the team and and where they are and and uh, you know what 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 they want right yeah. now. Yeah. It uh, it seems that uh, you know you, you mentioned social media kind of played you know a role as as far as speeding up the process because Notre Dame was going to take their time by all accounts really and uh social media kind of sped things up and i think swarbrick went and 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 listened to the players and listened to what they wanted and i mean they they got what they wanted you know yeah and it's probably the best move anyway long term as well you know i mean you, you can ask you know senior leadership all you want but i mean you know when when the future players are saying Hire him, you know. It, it, right. It, it's it sends a message to to those making the decisions that uh, hey, this is this is the guy, this is him. And this is like just reading some of his quotes, you know. Just you know, again, like there's been so much to absorb this week, but like seeing some stuff about Marcus Freeman and and recruits also talking about the way Marcus Freeman communicates with them. It's like. The way, he, like he can talk to to different guys, different different players in in different age groups. He communicates with all of them specifically. Like four for forty has always been the big thing with Notre Dame. Like you're not just going for these four years when you're going to Notre Dame. It's also about the degree and the next forty years afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the way that Marcus Freeman can communicate that to a seventeen or eighteen year old is not just saying, "Well, it's four for forty. He can say. You know, you like rap or hip hop or whatever, right? It's like you like Jay Z, right? And you know, you just say, you know, basically going to Notre Dame is is you know the Jay Z <laughs> of right. the rest of your life. It's you know, it's like the pinnacle. It's the mountaintop. This is you know, it's it's the king. You know, that's right. it's it's more than just about right. You know, and so he can communicate in different ways, like that. And you know, I think that it's obviously a program that is in a current run of great success, the five double-digit win seasons and all that, and the two college football playoff bursts in the last three years, and a chance to make it four uh, four in the last three years, depending on what happens tomorrow and Sunday. So there's already a fabulous foundation in place. And Brian Kelly had a slew of great assistants, Marcus Freeman being one of them. But, you know, Tommy Reese, Mike Elston, Mike Mickens, you know, all these different guys – have played a part in it as well. So you're keeping together the bulk of what is already in place, what has given you a run of great success over the last few years. And now you're essentially going to get, you know, an, another, like an overall infusion of that youthfulness, you know, and not just the youthfulness, but you know, different level of, of competitiveness, I think, as well. You know, so like I was listening uh, a little bit, to uh, Cal Hamilton and, and those guys in the the Inside the Garage podcast and just listening, you know, they're mostly defensive players who are on that podcast. Mm-hmm. And listening to them, like the way 
as well that they kind of, uh, you know, at practice engage with Tommy Reese, on, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, like they might be kind of going back and forth, you know, like Tommy might get on Cam Hart, for example, you know, if he gets beat by a wide reset. I think he was talking about, you know, going up against Deion Colsey and maybe he gets beat or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so then they kind of challenge each other. And, you know, Tommy Reese will try to draw something up and, and see if they can, uh, you know, burn Cam Hart at the end of right, practice right. And, and that kind of thing. So it's just a lot of, a lot of great stuff, a lot of great stuff. And, and uh, I think it's going to be really good for the program going forward, especially the recruiting aspect that Marcus Freeman brings to this whole thing because he's he's been a a, a rock star recruiter as well. Mm-hmm. The uh, really the only thing that uh, that now the question is you know are they going to be able to keep this energy up until the bowl game? Yeah, you know, and you know? that is the thing, you know, because it's one thing to you know everyone's excited and everybody's fired up, but you still have to go out and play the football games right. at the end of the day, and you know that's that's part of it as well and you know again it sounds like most of the staff is going to be staying not all of the staff is going to be staying there is a report and i haven't seen anything official yet that brian polian the special teams coach who of course has been a head coach uh, he was head coach at nevada before he came back to notre dame a few years back as part of the resurgence after 2016 that he uh uh, might be moving on to take uh, a head coaching position i believe lafayette from the patriot league is the school you know, that, uh, you know, in question in, in a couple of the other guys, it sounds like are not going to be on the staff. I, I think there's some good in some of that. Uh, you know, Brian, Brian Pulliam will be missed. I mean, he has been a good special teams coordinator mm-hmm. over the last few years. But, uh, you know, so there'll be some holes to fill. And with Marcus, Fring be, Marcus Freeman being elevated, you know, you, you, you're, you know, still looking at adding, you know, a guy or two on the defensive side of the ball. If if Mike Elston does become defensive coordinator, you know, you would think that he would still coach the defensive line and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of reason for excitement. They got their guy. They got the one they wanted, and a guy who, you know, again was was in demand, bigger picture yeah. across the country. He was going to become a head coach very soon, and uh, so I think Notre Dame got the right guy at the end of the the whole thing. I'm I'm surprised by something else on social media too and that is how many people are all of a sudden rooting for Notre Dame like all the, all, all the people who would normally be hating Notre Dame right now are like those kids got screwed I'm rooting for yeah. them you know it, it's it's really just a total just a total reversal of 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 life up until this point quite honestly so it's been you know it's been an interesting week Notre Dame has become hickory, you know, for right. Hoosiers. Yeah. They're, you know, like the little, the little plucky engine that could. And, right. And, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is pretty cool. You know, speaking of which, Emmanuel Acho, a, uh, a national uh, talk host, he was kind of fired up about it. Let's uh, let you hear a piece from him real quick. As I look at this Brian Kelly situation, I've realized it's almost the equivalent to throwing a game. Okay. Hear me when I say this. If you were to throw a game in sports, you are intentionally hurting your team's chances at advancing. You are intentionally hurting your team's chances at winning. That is what throwing a game is. Brian Kelly is intentionally, or at least he is cognitively, Mm. hurting Notre Dame's chances at advancing to the college football playoffs. Mm. The committee said yesterday, we factor in coach absences or player absences when we dictate who makes it into our college football playoff rankings. 
Well, Notre Dame's Brian Kelly, former Brian Kelly, is now going to be absent. He is cognitively hurting Notre Dame's chances at advancing to the playoffs. Thus, to me, Brian Kelly is doing what is the same thing at throwing as throwing a game. Here's what we all need to come to terms with. What Brian Kelly did was in the best interest of Brian Kelly, and that is a-okay. But we also need to come to terms with what Brian Kelly did was in the worst interest of about 110 <laughs> Notre Dame football players, along with roughly 100 staff, give or take. Both things can be true. They are not mutually exclusive. There you go, Emmanuel Acho firing up on Brian Kelly. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to give Brian Kelly credit for, you know, thinking that he, you know, is, as Emmanuel Acho was saying, cognitively, you know, hurting Notre Dame's chances in the playoff because obviously he wasn't thinking about his team in any way, shape, or form when he made <laughs> no. this decision. He was thinking about Brian Kelly and everything that we have seen from Brian Kelly uh, since you know this this whole thing came out over the past five days. Now says that all he was thinking about was Brian Kelly. So you know, indirectly, yes, he he ended up hurting you know Notre Dame's chances potentially. You know, it, having Having this, you know, kind of groundswell, though, and getting a guy like Freeman in place beforehand, I wonder if that offsets, you know, because as, as he said and as the committee said, they can, they can take into account the fact that you don't have the head coach. But you, you've got, essentially, you know you're going to have the staff in place. There's no, there's no questions about that. There's no real turmoil. So, you know, how much now does having Marcus Freeman offset what potentially could have been you know, the the, uh, the ill effect of not having Brian Kelly as head coach. Exactly. All right. One final thing before we take a timeout. And coming up in a little bit, uh, I want to be sure to mention, we're going to do two things. First, Christian McCollum, we're going to get a recruiting update with him on, uh, you know, how this whole thing has affected Notre Dame recruiting and, uh, you know, what's going on with Notre Dame recruiting during this whole thing. Brian Kelly leaving and Marcus Freeman coming in. Notre Dame men's soccer coach Chad Riley is going to join us in a little bit as well. They're hosting NCAA tournament quarterfinal action tomorrow with a chance to go on to uh, basically the uh, the soccer version of the Final Four, the College Cup, next weekend. But uh, So uh, Chad Riley is going to join us in, in just a little bit. But first, oh, it's just you just got to love it when you know social media helps you out and just puts everything together because Brian <laughs> Kelly addressing the crowd at an LSU basketball game. LSU was uh, playing Ohio University and I'd seen some people mistakenly say Ohio State. It was the Bobcats, you know, not the Buckeyes. But right. in any case, here's Brian Kelly addressing the crowd. See if you can spot the mistake. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is a great way to get started, and I haven't even won all my games yet. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans, and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. 
I saw that oh last night. And I was just, like, even before he got to family, uh, I was like, is he trying to sound Southern? <laughs> is he trying to sound? Yes. Is, is he trying to sound like instead of ordering a poor boy sandwich, which I'm sure that he has already, he, he, he uh-huh. actually ordered a po' boy? <laughs> well, that's, I, I mean, that was a meme earlier this week as well that someone yeah. was saying, you know, there's a picture of Brian Kelly. Excuse me, sir. Can I please have a poor boy sandwich? <laughs> you know, instead of a po' boy, yeah, there's going to be. There's going to be some oh, issues. Man. I just, my family, family. Tiger, come on, man. Come on. Oh. I mean, you talk about trying to play to the populace. I mean, I mean such shameless pandering. I mean, it's just like, oh, my God. And they're falling shame. for it. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, it was very easy to spot, you know, the fact that everyone everywhere is spotting it. And I saw <sighs> one of the LSU writers saying, you know what? Now I've got to ask him about this. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> everyone else gets to sit back and make fun of it. I get to ask him about this. So, Coach, when did you become Southern? Yeah. Oh, God. I just <laughs> – it's different, man. It's different. But we've got a new, new chapter here. That's LSU's problem now and uh, the marcus freeman era has officially begun and again we will have the press conference live two o'clock monday afternoon right here on sports radio 960 am wsbt you'll hear all of marcus freeman's comments and i'm sure that there'll be some from uh, athletic director jack swarbrick and more coming up monday at two o'clock this is the Leprechaun Lunch presented by First State Bank, lending strength to our communities by devoting ourselves to helping local businesses grow. Our presenting sponsors also include Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing. Contact Joel Ladig in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend, as well as Four Winds Casino, your entertainment escape, Legacy Heating and Air. Visit LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. Excuse me, South Bend Orthopedics. Team Physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Wings, etc. Grill and Pub, 14 Michiana area locations. Stuff it today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. Let's take a time out. When we come back, Christian McCollum will bring us up to date on what's going on with Notre Dame football recruiting over what's been a crazy busy week at Notre Dame. Leprechaun Lunch, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch, presented by First State Bank, the only community bank headquartered in Elkhart County, offering the highest quality products and services. Well, I talked recently with Christian McCollum, my uh, recruiting guy, my new, relatively new recruiting guy on uh, Budweiser's weekday sports beat about the busy week that has been Notre Dame football with Brian Kelly leaving and Marcus Freeman taking over Christian from irisportsdaily.com and let's hear what he's got to say right now can't even imagine Christian from your aspect what what it's been like so let's let's just jump right in right now Marcus Freeman's hire what does it mean for Notre Dame football recruiting yeah so what it means in the immediate is that Notre Dame has an opportunity to take its recruiting to the next level uh brian kelly's done a great job of getting notre dame into a consistent top 10 
top five-ish at times recruiting classes. That's kind of been his goal, top five. And it's been comparable to what, you know, Charlie Weiss did. Charlie Weiss did a good job in terms of, you know, of going out and landing blue chip athletes. Brian Kelly did it at a more sustained level. He did it for a longer period of time, obviously. Right. And I think he did pretty good. But now, you know, Notre Dame's where it should be. And Marcus Freeman has the chance to bring them to the next level and still go in and actually get the additional blue chip five-star prospects uh, and potentially get Notre Dame even higher in the recruiting rankings than top five. Well, I mean, and it seems like since Freeman came here, Christian, that this uptick just with some of the, the, the bigger recruits have coincided with, with Marcus Freeman and, and his ability to, to go out and get those kind of guys. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And we talked about it earlier when we talked about Marcus Freeman and, and early in his tenure here, you know, back in January, it was, all right, you're getting us in the door with some of these guys we might not have been able to get in the door with before, but are we going to be able to close them? Because if you're just, you know, recruiting guys and landing in their top three but not landing them, that's a waste of resources, time, money, uh, when you should be going after someone else. But he's been landing those guys. So um, he's followed through on that and everything he, he, everything he was sold as in terms of when he got here, he'd be a dynamic recruiter, get results. He's followed up on that already. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you think makes him such a great recruiter? He's passionate about it, right? So, so recruiting is part of the job of a college football coach. And some guys really like it. Some guys don't. Some of those guys that don't like it – fake it, you know, you fake it and make it seem like you like it. You, you know, and I think, you know, fans when you got follow, to, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And fans that follow recruiting, they like recruiting. So they think it'd be fun. But if you're a 40 year old guy who's making close to a million bucks and you know, if you're 50 or 60 and you've got you know a couple million bucks in the bank and you got a family, you're not really excited, you know, intrinsically about going to kiss, you know, the butt of some 16, 17 year old kid. Right. Um, but some guys actually like it. They really like it. They're passionate about it. And that's Marcus Freeman. He likes enjoying, he enjoys getting to know these young men, um, becoming parts of their lives, giving them advice. Um, he truly enjoys it. So that when you enjoy something, you're going to do it better. A lot of fans that I've seen, you know, are already asking about Harry Heastan as an example. And I mean, he is a case of a guy. He went to the NFL and it didn't work out in the NFL. But, I mean, I think the biggest reason he went there is is because of what you're talking about, right? Like, he was never passionate or, you know, even, even halfway passionate, it seems like, about recruiting. For as great as an offensive line coach as he is, really, you know, that's, that's the biggest hang-up in terms of college and Harry Heastand, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and to Harry's credit, he, he's not going to go in there and sell anybody and get some, you know, kid that – you would have never got because of Harry Heastan. He's a dynamic personality. He's not that. But he was effective enough because he, he sold what he was. And he was a damn good coach, and he could develop players, and he could get you to the NFL. And that offensive line position is one where you don't need the slick, you know, salesman, agent-type guy who's going to be your best friend. Offensive linemen generally aren't looking for that. But, you know, you, you better have a track record like Harry Heastan to be able to sell that. And, you know, if you, you're kind of knocking one of your staff members out right there if you're like, okay, well, Harry's just going to handle the offensive line and that's it. You know, everyone else is kind of shorthanded there. But for, if you can be, have the track record he has, you can get away with that. But few do. 
Talking Notre Dame football recruiting and what's been a big week for Notre Dame football with Christian McCollum from irishsportsdaily.com. So when you look at the current recruits right now, what's been the reaction to, to everything that's happened this week? Overwhelmingly positive. Um, there was a lot of trepidation early in the week. Um, Monday night was a lot of, you know, people were, you know, they were kind of scared, I'd say. Um, I had a lot of people texting me, calling me, asking me if it was true. And I tried to tell these people, yes, it's true. He's gone. And they still wanted further confirmation. And I tell them, the only more further confirmation you're going to get from this is tomorrow afternoon when, when Brian Kelly stands in Baton Rouge. Like, I'm telling you, this thing is done. Um, and they just kind of, it wasn't that they didn't want to believe it. They couldn't believe it. So then it goes to a period of they're really, really um, concerned about what's next. What's next for my son? What's next for the kid I coach? What's next for me if it's the kid? And it's just a, a period of uncertainty for those kids and, and their families and their support circles. That's not comfortable. But quickly, the the consensus among those guys became, we want Freeman to be the head coach. And right. that is includes offensive players, which I found really, really fascinating. Um, the offensive players were just as excited, some of them, as the defensive players who, to a man, the defensive players wanted uh, Marcus Freeman. So I almost didn't even feel like I needed to reach back out to a lot of those guys to get reaction last night. I knew what it was going to be, but I did anyways, and, and it was overwhelmingly positive. And along with that, you know, the offensive guys that wanted Freeman, they also wanted Reese, and they were very, very excited about that. For example, uh, Notre Dame's quarterback commit, Steve Angeli from New Jersey, he texted me that he could not be more excited. Um, so every, everybody in terms of recruits is very, very excited about how this worked out. Anyone on the fence, though? Anyone, you know, maybe shaky right now? Yeah, you know, I'd still be concerned about Devin Moore. Um, he's the safety from Florida. And, and part of my concern there is he kind of said in the summer he was going to shut it down, but he never really did. Took some visits to Florida, said, oh, well, I'm just going with my buddy. My buddy's there. It's here. It's not a big deal. A lot of times that's the case, but then there was more communication with Florida, and then he decommitted immediately. Um, a kid like him doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to let everyone know he's open back up. Trust me, the Florida coach has been calling him. They're not going to stop when Brian Kelly leaves. He didn't need to decommit, so that kind of gave me some pause. Um, at the same time, I know Notre Dame's going to go right back in on him. They're going to be in there this week. It's either today or tomorrow. They're going to be visiting him. Uh, Mark Freeman's going to go in there. Chris O'Leary's going to go in there. Uh, they're going to sell him on why he chose Notre Dame and try to get him back. C.J. Williams is kind of the same case. He, now, he didn't decommit, uh, the wide receiver from California, but he was already flirting heavily with USC and US, UCLA. He already scheduled official visits, you know, these coming weeks for those with those um, schools. Now, losing Brian Kelly is not going to help that initially, uh, but I think Freeman and Tommy Reese can, can kind of sell him again. And, you know, I think it is, you know, he hasn't decommitted yet. And I think that does say something. Um, so I think Notre Dame still – one of the guys I talked to last night who's had communications with CJ's camp told me that it had always been Notre Dame's commitment to lose. Um, and it wasn't like he was just waiting to bail. It was already – Notre Dame was always there. And I think that's still the case here. Um, it's just, uh, you know, see how Notre Dame can wrap it up. Could this put him in even better position maybe with any uncommitted guys? 
Yeah, the first guy you think yeah, of uh, is Xavier and Wankba, the 2022 safety from Iowa who had been down to Notre Dame, Iowa, and Ohio State. And Notre Dame had a good shot in there recently in recent weeks, and then it heavily started trending Iowa. Um, now, this gives Notre Dame another thing to sell, right? So if, you, if you're already losing this race and it's coming to the end, you need to change the dynamic. And there's nothing that changes the dynamic more than saying, hey, uh, you know, we got a new head coach. He, you know him. And the guy you've been being recruited by is going to be in charge now. And I mentioned Chris O'Leary earlier. He is a dynamic recruiter. He's an energetic personality. Um, he'll be able to go in there um, and resell Xavier. Take another shot, right? They have a new thing to sell if he wasn't buying the old thing. It could help with uh, Arizona defensive lineman Anthony Lucas, kind of along the same lines where, you know, it's, it's a different sell now. Um, I don't think it would hurt. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of interested uh, to see how the overall staff makeup impacts things with uh, 2022 Wisconsin offensive lineman Billy Shrouth. Um, so I think some changes there could be a positive for him. But I think, and he's been a hard kid to really, really peg down because he's kind of, you know, changed his mind a lot. I think sure. he's, he's been pretty set on Notre Dame for a little bit now. Um, and I don't think that this is going to make anything negative um, in terms of Shrouth's thought process. How, how important is the timing in all this when you look at the fact that the early signing you know, period is just a couple of weeks away? Yeah, yeah. extremely. And, and I thought you know, when, when things go down and you see Swarbrick's press conference on Tuesday and he's downplaying the sense of timing, you're trying to figure out why, and you're thinking, geez, <laughs> maybe he wants Luke Fickle, and maybe Luke Fickle's people are telling him he ain't leaving Cincinnati until after the playoff. Maybe yeah. or but in hindsight, it kind of seems more like he just didn't want to put a time frame on it. You have to have a coach in place before the early signing period. Um, all of these guys, if they, if they don't sign on December fifteenth, they're consider them all almost decommitted. They're back on the market. Everyone's coming after them heavily. So now with Marcus Freeman in place, um, these guys are secured in, in what's going on, and, and you'd expect the vast majority of them to sign. Now I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them said, hey, let me just let me just see how this all pans out here. Um, but if you're, if you don't have a coach in place by December 15th and you're, you're at risk of losing a, um, an entire recruiting class essentially. And that's the thing that can kind of cripple, um, a program. Now to Brian Kelly's credit, um, they had that a few years ago and they had their terrible season and he, they, they scrambled together a late recruiting class and they had some, they ended up with some studs in there. I mean, Jamar, Jamar, um, Jeremiah Usukuramoa would yeah. not have been part of Notre Dame True. if not for that um, crazy, you know, terrible finish. Um, but that's not an ideal situation. You do not want to be in that situation. Right. Um, so this this is really, really important the way it worked out and the timing of it. Well, you know, Brian Kelly was asked at his press conference about whether or not he would take any recruits with him, and he really didn't answer it directly. You know, and I know you've kind of already touched on this, but, I mean, what's – Get a sense? Do you think that that maybe anybody follows him to Baton Rouge? I, I liked. He kept trying to say that uh, we're going to focus on the guys that have already committed to LSU, and he kept saying that. And they tried to pin him down, and but he didn't close the door. And I'm sitting there watching the guy. I know for a fact that they've already reached out to a Marion Walker, the receiver from Louisiana. <laughs> I know that, you know. And now Brian Kelly had not spoken to him directly, uh, but one of the staff members called him uh, that night and said, "Expect a call from Coach Kelly soon." Um, aside from a Marion Walker, given his, um, you know, he's a Louisiana kid. I don't think, I don't see anybody following coach Kelly. 
um, okay. LSU. And, and part of that's because, you know, those guys don't have in, interpersonal relationships, like intimate relationships with Brian Kelly That when they recruited. That's not why they committed to Notre Dame. Well, the way he left Notre Dame, do you think it has any impact on his ability to recruit going forward? Maybe even, you know, especially in the short term, do you think there's any impact potentially? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there could be, right? So if you're the parent of a kid and this guy comes in your living room and tells you, um, makes any promise to you about how he's going to be there long term and, you know, how he's going to be a father figure for your son and he's committed to your son and this and that, you have pause, right? You would be silly not to. Now, for him, I wonder how he's going to play it in terms of, you know, he wasn't going to be coaching 10 more years at Notre Dame. I don't know. He's got a 10-year contract at LSU. I'd be absolutely floored if you completed that. So yeah. how I think that might be a natural thing he needs to address. But, I mean, I, I talked to some people that were in the house. He was in the house of a Notre Dame recruit when things broke. And, you know, one guy said – He's in the house selling this kid about going to Notre Dame, and he literally walks out the door, and 90 seconds later, he's right. going to LSU. So, I mean, those kind of stories are – that's going to be difficult to, to combat in recruiting if a parent asks you about that. Absolutely. Christian McCollum, our recruiting man from irisportsdaily.com. A very eventful week, and I'm sure you guys have – I mean, everyone's got a lot of content up right now. What's going on right now at, at ISD? Yeah, we're tracking down now, you know, following up with the recruits. Um, we are following up, you know, the committed guys, like I said, for the most part, it seems like they're all pretty stable. So now we're looking at guys like Billy Shrouth. We got an update on Billy Shrouth, um, an interesting one I just posted. Um, we got an update on Xavier and Wakba over there. And then just a lot of anal analysis from uh, Mike and Jamie about, you know, what does this mean? Um, also, how does he fill out his staff? How does Mark Freeman fill out, you know, He's got a couple. He could have a couple open spots. You know, a lot of guys are coming back, uh, but you know, a couple guys might not be coming back. Where does he fill that in? Um, and it's just a. It's a great time to sign up for IrishSportsDaily.com. We we have a special. You can sign up for a dollar. Um, so you sign up for a dollar and you know, for a week, and, and you'll get a good picture of what what it is. Great stuff as always, Christian McCollum, IrishSportsDaily.com. We will uh, talk to you again very soon, my friend. Thanks a lot, Sean. I appreciate it. That's Christian McCollum. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we've got NCAA tournament soccer going on this weekend at Notre Dame. And men's soccer coach Chad Riley is going to join us next on the Leprechaun Lunch Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wow. Winding things down on the Leprechaun Lunch this afternoon. And we've got some Notre Dame Fighting Hours soccer going on tomorrow NCAA tournament quarterfinals at alumni stadium it's going to be at five o'clock Notre Dame against Pittsburgh with a trip to the college cup on the line and with us right now is Notre Dame men's head soccer coach Chad Riley how are we doing today coach I'm doing great thanks for having me on Coach, you've got uh, uh, Pitts coming back into town. The third time you guys have been playing uh, this season. What have you learned about uh, What have you learned about him the first couple of times? Yeah, yeah, no, I think we've we've learned a lot. We've actually kind of they haven't tr changed a lot since last year. So this will be our sixth time playing them in the last couple of years. So we do we, we we feel like we have a good understanding of them. But with that said, they're still still quite a good team, and there's there's always a difference between knowing and doing. So we know they're a they come out flying. They're a high-powered attack, and uh, we know we've got to deal with that first and foremost. 
What's it mean to you to be able to host this kind of game this weekend with so much on the line? Yeah, I think it's huge. I, I do. I think, you know, this is the only the second time in the history of our program where we've hosted uh, uh, NCAA quarterfinal at home. And uh, I think it means everything to be playing, playing at Notre Dame in South Bend uh, means a lot to our guys. Well, you know, when this season started, there wasn't a lot of preseason expectations, at least from the outside, it, it looked like anyway. I believe you were picked to finish ninth in the ACC has this team exceeded your own expectations that you had for it? You know, I think they're, they're the biggest thing to them, which is hard to do, is I think they're, they're getting close to their, um, you know, sort of their potential, right? That's always the hope, and that's always hard to do because your potential is always hard. But I do, I think, I don't think they've exceeded any expectations I've, I've had. I think they're just really close to, to meeting them because I think we, we, we knew we had some, some good pieces. We knew we had a good mentality. We knew we had a good schedule to prepare us. So um, it was one that, you know, last year we didn't have um, the year we'd like. And so maybe from the outside, it didn't look like the expectations would be high. But I think within the team, um, there was that kind of high. We knew we had a high, high level of potential. And I think we're coming close to realizing it. And so you knew all along that w once the ACC tournament started in NCAA, hey, we'll go six straight games and not allow a goal, right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what you knew would happen. Uh, it is. You know, in our league and then in tournament play, anything anything can obviously happen, but we know we're – we certainly know we're right there, and, and we know if we perform we're on our day, we're – we're capable as, as capable as anybody, but yeah, yeah, they've done an incredible job. You don't, you don't just draw this up. They got to go out there and do it. Well, how, how have you been able to, you know, again, you go through the ACC tournament, four straight games there. I know one game came to penalty kicks, but you know, and then the first two games of the NCAA tournament, no goals. I mean, it's, it's been locked down. Have you been able to, to perform so well in this stretch? Yeah. Yeah, I think so much of it is the mentality from the strikers all the way, you know, the attacking players all the way through our to our goalkeeper. We've got a great goalie and there's a lot of confidence, but I think, you know, it's a team commitment to um, to being hard to score on because at the end of the day, we know we're going to score a goal usually. Like you said, the last game, Louisville, a few games ago, we didn't get on there, but we know we've got a, a capable attack. But at the end of the day, at this time of the year, you, the more shutouts you get, the better. And I think you know, it is. It's, it's the commitment on the day, and then I think it's the preparation. You know, I think our assistant coaches have done a great job of of our scouts and understanding the opponents, and then the guys have done a great job of applying those things in the in the game. Chad Riley's with us, Notre Dame men's head soccer coach. The Irish host an NCAA tournament quarterfinal tomorrow, five o'clock at Alumni Stadium. Tickets are just five bucks. You can get them on game day if you'd like, but uh, winning the ACC tournament, go back to that a minute. Can you, can you kind of describe that experience and, and that feeling for your team? Yeah, I think it was awesome. I think anytime you get to do something and it's the first time we haven't been in the ACC that long, obviously, but the first time to, right. to, to win the ACC tournament. So I think that was a huge moment for the program. It's always great for that team and that group of guys that get to be the first ones, you know, they, they sort of go down in history and then, the way it happened was great. I mean, it was a bit of a whirlwind. It's a, it's a big tournament in itself, and it just feels like, you know, you're we were on the road for, you know, five out of seven days or something like that. And so I think the level of, um, you know, preparation by the team, the level of focus, the level of just dealing with the things that you can control was, was tremendous by the guys. And then they did. It's, you know, on the big day, they went out there and, and, and they performed against Duke and, and got the trophy. 
Well, and then as fate would have it, you beat Villanova uh, in in the tournament for your first NCAA tournament game, but then it's Wake Forest, an ACC team, last week, and now you've got another ACC team this week with all these, you know, ACC teams. You know, there's obviously some familiarity there. Do you, do you like that? Would you rather be playing someone you hadn't played as much? Yeah. Or, or, or does it even matter at this point because you're so far yeah. in the, into the tournament? I mean, I think you always think whatever happens, happens. It doesn't matter as a coach, but I do think in general in the NCAA, it's always more fun if you play teams you don't know, but right. we don't control that. So, and, and then we do. I mean, the ACC, I think, since I've been here, had between eight and ten teams in the tournament. So, you know, you're probably going to play one of them at some point. So, um, so we'll just we'll take it for what it is and take it as a positive so um, that we know a little bit more about them. I've got to ask you, since you're a soccer coach, do you watch Ted Lasso? Yes, I do. I do. It's a great show. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you ever met a coach with, with that kind of positivity? How close are you <laughs> on the lasso scale to Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got he's got way way better quotes than I'll ever have, but I do. I like my, my coach Bobby here uh was certainly certainly positive. I think I was talking to another coach about that the other day of like how hard it is to, to stay positive as a coach when 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 games nobody's a good loser and you don't want to be, but I think right. at the end of the day one of our biggest jobs is to always be looking forward and always look how, how things can uh, turn out right for you. So I think we, we, we would aspire to, to have the Ted Lasso positivity and we'll certainly try, but I don't know if I'm at his level yet. That's right. I think that's hard for for anybody to get quite to that level. <laughs> Notre Dame soccer coach Chad Riley, and again, the Irish are host in Pittsburgh tomorrow, 5 o'clock quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament, a trip to Men's College Soccer's College Cup is on the line again, 5 o'clock at Alumni Stadium. Tickets just $5, and you can get them at the uh, stadium on game day. Coach, appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you this weekend, and congratulations on the season so far. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, and have a great day. All right, you too. Take care. Chad Riley, head coach of the Notre Dame men's soccer team. And again, 5 o'clock tomorrow, Alumni Stadium. Bundle up, but uh, should be a lot of fun an NCAA tournament games out there. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're just about in the uh, in the in the home stretch here, Jim. Yes, uh, you we know, are. we've got maybe a minute or so. Do you do you have any any lines that we're looking at this weekend? Any props <laughs> or anything like that? Or are you just going to cover it tonight on the money line? I, uh, I I I went out and made the uh, the chaos parlay pick. Uh, you know, Georgia to win, Iowa to win. Uh, okay. Uh, Baylor to win, and uh, who else to win? Uh, Houston to win. Houston. So, yeah. uh, so that that's my big pick for the for the week. Uh, when I when I made it, it was like a plus plus seventy four forty five. Uh-huh. So you know, five bucks on that gets you like you know over three hundred seventy five dollars. Really? Yeah. Wow, what's it at right now? Do you you don't have to look if you don't know? I, I I don't know when I when I made the pick. That's what the odds were. So it, yeah. it could have changed. I'll have to between, see if I can find that myself. So. But I yeah, mean, I, five bucks. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> why not? I just made <laughs> straight up money line picks there. So <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. All right, that's going to do it. The Leprechaun Lunch is presented by First State Bank, committed to being a premier financial partner. First State Bank demonstrates and delivers hometown values. We've got Notre Dame men's basketball pregame at 5.30 tonight. A quick sports beat at 5 will be out at Mishawaka. That's coming up, WSBT South Bend.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 